This is episode 500 of the AWS podcast, released on January 16, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back for episode number 500 of the official AWS podcast. What a journey it has been. And unusually, we're going to spend a little bit of time on introspection and talking about the podcast. We're going to hear from some great folks who have been on the podcast and just generally talk a little bit about uh, what it is we do here. And I hope you find it interesting. Now, from everyone at the official AWS podcast team, we wanted to thank you, the listeners, for over 12 million downloads and 3 million hours listened over the last decade. It's humbling to know that people benefit from this and they get use from it. Uh, if you'll indulge me with a quick origin story, you know, back in 2011, 2012, I was looking for a podcast myself to learn about AWS. I thought, you know, that would be a great way to keep up to date. I like listening to podcasts. It's a great on-the-go consumption thing while you're um, commuting or doing chores, etc. And there wasn't one. And so crazy me thought, well, why don't I just do one? How hard can it be? Well, I've learned a lot of lessons since then. And in fact, at the same time, I was toying with a, a video series as well. And um, well, that's even harder. So, uh, so podcasting was definitely the way to go. And I've definitely got a head for podcasting. So that worked out really well. And uh, it started pretty basically. Uh, basically, my, my laptop, I think I bought a, a small snowball mic, which I still have. I'm going to keep that one forever. Uh, and I did the editing myself and I posted online myself. It was manual posting, including handcrafting the RSS feed. Would not recommend. And, you know, it was it was pretty rudimentary and pretty basic and, um, you know, the sound quality wasn't fantastic. Turns out getting good sound quality is hard. Who would have thought? It's like writing software is hard. And, um, but, but the, you know, the ethos was there, which was basically having a feel of a couple of engineers having a chat. That was always the fundamental thing. This was not a scripted show, a, a sort of highly produced show. You know, the, the part of its charm was the the sometimes questionable audio quality. But what what listeners told me very quickly was, as long as you can get the audio to a good enough level, it's okay. It doesn't have to be sort of you know professional grade, um, completely dead room type thing. Just enough that it's not distracting. Didn't always hit the mark, particularly in the early days. But that's that was the the message that came through loud and clear. So. It's always been a case of trying to share things that I'd be interested in, that I think others would be interested in, and just talking generally and genuinely to folks who are really interested in technology, in how technology helps business, and just bringing all that together. So once I got a few episodes under my sleeve and people said, hey, <laughs> your audio sucks, dude, then I started experimenting with a variety of different microphones and other other things, um, some unsuccessfully, some unsuccessfully. Turns out, again, it's, it's a minefield. I was doing self-editing with open source Audacity tool. None of these comments are approvals or recommendations for anything. They're just stuff I used. And then I discovered a, a service called Ophonic, which is a, a sort of post-processing tool, which is actually quite nifty, does a lot of tidying up and helps overcome my lack of editing skills. And then I built an, an automated process to release the podcast because, you know, build is going to build. And uh, I sort of sat there one Monday going, why am I manually doing all this? I could write code for this. And so I wrote a whole lot of Lambda 
basically. It was a, a great use case for Lambda, you know, something that has to work but works very, very infrequently or on a, on a periodic basis. And so I grabbed Python, which was my language of choice. I grabbed Chalice as a framework and built up a, a podcasting platform. And then in true nerd style, I rebuilt it again, having learned all the things I did wrong the first time and built a really craptacular front end as well that others could use uh, if they needed to backfill me. It was certainly not a prime time piece of software. It's not something I'm proud of, but it's functional and I'll take functional, to be honest. So it does the job. So it, it does the release scheduling, et cetera. And over the, over the years, it's it's integrated into different things like it you know talks to me on Slack now and does all other cool things. So it's been a great experience of being able to to build some stuff as well. And also obviously the the audio quality has hopefully improved. I've, I've moved on to a collection of road-based equipment, um, Australian manufacturer, so a bit of a hometown bias going on there, but I use a, a, a Rodecaster Pro and I've got my Procaster mic and I've got all the cool stuff. And then of course you went into lockdown. <laughs> so you got to meet my dog, Chewy, you got to hear lots of noises in the background, the echo of my kitchen, cause I don't have a study or anything like that. So it's interesting. You know, I've, I've recorded in some interesting places. There have been times that I've recorded in a cupboard. Many hotel rooms you visited with me as well in various uh, stages of exhaustion, particularly during the reinvent times. But through all that, you've been really patient and supportive. And, and I have to you know, generally thank you. You know, it's, it's a privilege and something I didn't expect. And, and what I really didn't expect was hearing from folks for whom the podcast has helped them improve their situation or impress someone at work that they wanted to do well with or get a job. For example, we got some listener feedback just like this. This is Andrew Bochamp from Los Angeles. I started listening to the podcast in late 2020 and uh, learned so much. I joined the company in March 2021. I listened to every one of the podcasts, but my favorites are the ones that include customer examples. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to listening in 2022. That is so great to hear and really means a lot. Yeah, you know, the whole raft of benefits that people got is really humbling and 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 really gratifying. And you know that that's why I do it. And it, it's interesting. You know, it's it's not an easy chore. It's not something I'm going to say is 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 you know something. Um, woe is me. I have to do the podcast. I love doing the podcast. It's a it's a labor of love. But as I often tell folks when they approach me and say, "Hey, I want to do a podcast," what would you say? I'd say, "Well, it's like a puppy. <laughs> it's uh, it's for life. It's not just for Christmas." Most podcasts finish after 10 episodes because, you know, it gets hard. The initial sort of uh, burst of excitement we all get with a new idea goes away. And so it's got to actually be genuinely good. And for me, one of the great things is to have the opportunity to speak to a whole bunch of really smart folks I wouldn't get to speak to normally. So uh, that's that's a, a great side effect. Um, I get to speak to customers, partners and Amazonians and, and have some really cool conversations. And like I say, I get feedback from listeners saying, hey, talk about this or I want to hear more about that. Or, you know, folks who say, hey, I want to listen to every episode from the start again. I'm like, don't do that. But like, no, I want to. It's like, okay, <laughs> you could do that. So it's been an amazing journey and I'm I'm really humbled and thrilled that we could do that together and, uh, and we'll continue. So today's episode is going to cover a, a bunch of different things. We're going to have some guest speakers, so a little, little sort of transition-y type stuff. And I want to thank our editor, Andrew, for putting this all together because uh, it's a heavier lift than normal. And Lord knows he has to edit out all my flubs most of the time as well, which I used to do myself. And I'm very glad I don't have to listen to myself anymore because no one likes the sound of their own voice. But hopefully you'll find this uh, really, really interesting. So first up, of course, I'm going to be talking with Nikki. So here is Nikki and I having a quick chat. So now I'm joined by my 
awesome co-host, Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. How you doing? Hey, Simon. Good as usual. Happy to talk to you. 500 episodes in total, many of them with you. We'll talk about that in a moment. But when you started, you weren't Nikki Stone. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. A few changes in your world during the 500 episodes. Oh, yes, that is very true. A lot of changes in my world. Uh, yeah, I was Nikki Klein, actually. Then I got married, which by the way, if you still haven't caught on to my new last name, it's okay because last night my husband accidentally introduced me as his fiance after eh, two and a half years of being married. Oops. Oh, well, I guess it means it still feels fresh, which is great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you joined us in about episode, I want to say 304 back in March 2019, but um, yeah, why did you take on the, the, the job of hosting? Well, your organizer in marketing, I believe his name was Greg, gave me a call and got me on the phone with you. And I chatted with you for like, I think it was 30 minutes. And you guys made it sound like it was so fun. I was like, oh, I definitely want to do this. Uh, it sounds like a good time. So that's basically why. I that was all it took to convince you. <laughs> well, you you intrigued me. And you, like we were laughing on the phone a bunch of times. I remember that. And I was like, this sounds like fun. This sounds like a blast. Why wouldn't I want to do this? Uh, and that was it. And you've only ever regretted it since. <laughs> no, never. Not once have I regretted joining this podcast. It has been one of the most fun things I've done since joining AWS. And I'm it always gets it. more fun. This is true. So what have you learned? What's, what are some of the things that you picked up through this, you know, this uh, journey of what? Nearly two years now, I think. Yeah, I think what's really cool and why, you know, even as I've moved roles inside the company and it's not really technically my job to be doing developer advocacy the way that I was, I still wanted to do the podcast. And the reason that I did was because one of the great joys is that every time we do it, I get to learn all of the stuff that we've launched. And let me tell <laughs> you, as an engineer inside AWS, you can be totally siloed in your own world, building your own product and not pay attention to you know, global AWS. We have so much going on. We have so many services. It's really hard to pay attention to everything. But I think what makes it so awesome and what makes me unique now as an engineer is that I can come back to my team and be like, oh, we should use this new service or this new feature. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, it launched last week. Here it is. And like, they don't even know about it. And I know they yeah, don't know about yeah. it because they're, you know, they're trying to keep up the best they can with whatever product or service that they're building on or whatever integration that they're making with other services. And it's just, it's too hard to keep up with almost 300 services. So I think it's great because, you know, I have this wonderful outlet that allows me to keep up to date with all of AWS and introduce new uh, technology into my team all the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it is it is pretty cool. And, you know, one of the Amazon leadership principles is, of course, learn and be curious. And one of the joys, I think, of the podcast is we get to learn and be curious ourselves and, and share that with others too. So that's one of my favorite LPs too. So that's it's a very it's a very fitting LP for me. I'm continuously curious all the time. And and I think it's worth pointing out, like Nikki, neither you or I work for in marketing. That's true. We are we are practitioners. <laughs> We, we are practitioners in our field. Like You write we, code. So, so we like to ask the tough questions that marketing would be afraid of. Oh, that is 100% true, especially on the launch episode. Uh, I'm always asking the tough questions. I don't even think necessarily, you know, the PM or engineer that comes on is even prepared all the time for what I'm about to ask. <laughs> I'm bringing some questions, people. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by their, you know, their facial expressions, which obviously you can't see on the, you know, the audio <laughs> recording that they're like, oh, I didn't think you were going to ask that. Shocked. Mm, you know a thing or two. Um, Nikki, tell, tell us about your regular recording environment. And I think you should also share the wonder of your current environment that you're sitting in recording with us right now. 
now because it, it adds a little bit of uh, a, a bit of life context, I think. Character, maybe? Yeah, character. That's what I was looking for, yeah. Um, okay, so my normal recording environment, there is no such thing as normal when it comes to me. I'm not a person that has a desk. I have a laptop. I don't have seven screens. I'm not into that. I rotate around my house. Right now I'm sitting on my couch. I use a blue icicle attached to a lavalier that basically just goes in through USB to my laptop. And that comes with me. It's very light, very thin. It's kind of like a little stick almost. And uh, I walk around the house. Sometimes I'm on my couch. Sometimes I'm in my bed. It just depends on where I am coding at that minute that Simon and I are going to do a podcast. And my current situation is that I am unfortunately living with my parents. (laughs) I am building a house with my husband. Actually, on the beach and can't wait for it to be done. <laughs> At the moment, we're, we're with my parents and uh, my parents are wonderful people, but they're very loud. They are not quiet. Obviously, it runs in the family, the ability to speak and speak uh, freely. Yeah, I don't think I would have the ability to speak without them because they're very extroverted and I actually came out very introverted. So. <laughs> quite the opposite. And and what's been one of your favorite episodes? I mean, I mean, they're all our favorite. But what's one that you've you've worked on that you really got a lot out of? If you look back, well, so from the update show, the one where you and I riffed for like twenty minutes, like we had some extra time, and we talked <laughs> about like development environments and like coding tools and like CI situations. That was so fun. I had such a good time with you that time. I also loved the one that we did live together. Yeah. That's right. In Sydney, I think that was. Yeah, we were in Australia. It was actually a week before I got married. I was jet lagged at my wedding. <laughs> and Simon and I did a live podcast. I thought that was so fun. It was also really nice to be sitting next to you for the first time doing a podcast. Yeah. We'll yeah. have to do a live one again whenever that can be possible. Yeah, whenever <laughs> whenever that's okay again to do. And and one of the things, Nikki, you're famous for is is you're far more modern than I am in terms of the way you receive uh, feedback from listeners, etc. Because um, you do the Twitter thing, which I fail at miserably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a generational thing. Um, what what's what sort of listener feedback do you get? Like I know people are often listening, are like, well, you know, what what kind of things do do people say? A lot of positive feedback for one. Well, that's good. That's okay. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> what's What's interesting is that even though I do give my Twitter handle, I get a lot of LinkedIn requests, interesting, and LinkedIn messages about the podcast, which is funny because I'm terrible at LinkedIn, like just terrible. I just don't go on there a lot. But I've been trying now lately since I've been seeing the trend of the podcast messages coming in there over my Twitter handle. But uh-huh. uh, generally, I get really positive feedback. Love the podcast. I can't wait to hear next week's episode or I get um, a technical question, which I always try to direct them to the answer via asking a team or documentation or something. So try to be as helpful as I can to our customers. That's usually the extent of it. I've rarely had negative feedback. In the beginning, I think when we first started, I had a lot of negative feedback, but it was mostly about my audio, which I feel like we sorted out finally. Yeah which we do appreciate, by the way, even the Mm, negative mm. feedback. It was great because we just kept trying new things. And for months, we just couldn't get it right. But we (laughs) we kept working at it and we finally got it. And I feel like we got so much less complaints about the audio after we figured it out. Who would have thought that listening to customer feedback and iterating what you do could work? <laughs> I know. I actually just feel bad that it took so long because it took us so many tries to get it right. But <laughs> it's it's look it's it's one of those things. Or, or it's it's like it's like with most endeavors, everything looks easy from the outside. You know, record a podcast. How hard could it be? Well, doing it with any reasonable level of audio quality 
is a lot harder than you think and probably a bit more expensive than we thought too in terms of the, the kind of gear you want to invest in. So true, yeah. And also just like simple things. Like I feel like we finally got it at one point and then there wasn't like the windbreaker on the mic and that That's was causing right, yeah. issues. And then like yeah. we had to order that and it was back ordered for like six weeks. <laughs> and then it was another six weeks. So we did like three shows in that time when we knew yeah. the problem, but we couldn't fix it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's interesting. And have you ever met a podcast listener in real life? Not yet, but maybe this year when I go to reInvent, I might yeah. run into a podcast listener. I'm hoping to. I don't even know if, you know, you, you listen to someone. I don't know if they know what I look like. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting. I think you'll, you'll be a reInvent. I won't be because I'm in Australia and we can't travel or anything like that yet. But, um, uh, you know, you've been hosting the podcast primarily during COVID. So, you know, <laughs> know. It's, 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 you really haven't had a chance to meet anyone. But uh, Yeah, and also nice. like when I'm going to be at reInvent, I'm going to be wearing a mask. And it's really hard to recognize someone when they're wearing a mask. That's a good point. Maybe you should write on the front of the mask, hey, I'm, uh, you know, put your Twitter handle on the front of the... Hey, I do the podcast. Here's my yeah, Twitter handle. Yeah, <laughs> I need a I need a shirt, Simon. <laughs> like, was that a hint? Was that yeah, a swag that hint? That was a swag hint. Uh, I have a couple things of podcast swag from when we did the live show, and that's like that's go. it. I need I There's need the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Nikki, it's been great having you join the podcast. You've been a, a real asset, and and the work you do on the launch episodes, I know people people love. So, uh, look forward to hearing way more of you. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet of you. Uh, well, I really enjoy thoroughly enjoy both the update show and the launch show. So hope to continue them as uh, as long as they go. <laughs> long may they continue. <laughs> long may they continue. Yes. Cheers. Some cool reflections there. Now, it would not be possible for me to do this episode without speaking to probably one of the most well-known uh, folks here at Amazon that I'm sure every listener knows really well, Mr. Jeff Barr. Jeff and I did some podcasting together, obviously for a long time, and have done even some live events too, which is a lot of fun. So here's our chat with Jeff. Now I'm joined by someone who needs no introduction but gets one anyway, Jeff Barr. G'day, Jeff. How are you doing? Hey, Simon. Great to hear from you again. Likewise, uh, thanks for joining us for our 500th episode extravaganza. And I, I believe you're coming from your fortress of solitude where you can sit and blog and do all the things that Jeff Barr does. Exactly. It's good to hear your voice. It's been way too long since we've done actually any podcasting together. It, it has been a long time and, and we'll, we'll get into some of that in a moment. But I, I think what was fun is, is as we we're setting up for this recording, of course, we went through the traditional fiddling with inputs and outputs because, you know, I can't hear you, you can't hear me. So it's nice that things don't change. <laughs> you know, well, th things do change or they don't change. And just having all the different settings and options. And I, I think if, if your setup is anything like mine, we've got so many different moving parts and we've got multiple <laughs> cameras and microphones and all these different apps that are competing to help manage them and then there's a little mm. bit of automation that's supposed to make mm -hmm. it easier but says let me adjust things for you even if you don't didn't need it yeah i'm sure you want this <laughs> no i don't yeah. i really don't want this <laughs> well, well then we've got the, the very tenuous interaction between browsers and microphones and cameras yes yes there there is a, a an interesting relationship between the two and always a recommendation of use this particular browser. And then I, I've had days where I think I've done multiple recordings or sessions with, with different folks and had to switch between three different browsers in order to get <laughs> be compatible with exactly the requirements of any particular site or app. 
Uh, it's a bold future we're living, that's for sure. <laughs> but always good to be flexible is the way I look at it. Exactly. So, so Jeff, we want to talk a bit about the podcast, but first I, I want to sort of com- compare and contrast. I mean, you know, back when you started the blog, let's think way, let's go in the Wayback Machine um, and think about when you started the blog, what was the, the genesis and what was that experience like? Wow. This has gone way, way back to mid-2004. So at that point, I was relatively new to Amazon, and I had a bit of a background in blogging. Blogging at that time was more about self-expression rather than any kind of corporate communication Mm. or something that Mm. was considered somewhat official. So really, my first hurdle was getting from, here's my blog, and it's all about what I'm thinking and feeling and doing, to here's something that's coming from a a very big, very well-known company and trying to figure out what the right voice should be was actually, I think, one of my first challenges. It's important, isn't it? Because, you know, that's, it, it defines what it is. And I think one of the things I, I certainly, you know, I used to read your blog before, before I knew you, um, sort of like long time, first time. And, um, and it was this sort of very genuine, humble, it was like, yeah, here, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's, it's kind of a clear style and, and you've held true to that, I think. And, and I think as other bloggers have come on and, and sort of helped carry the load, the voice stays true. It is, but I don't think that was really obvious at first that it was the right thing to do. And I, I definitely remember thinking and debating with myself all the time, should I be running as the company, as the organization within the company that was doing services? Was it the team? Was it this kind of anonymous group? Or was it just me? And then ultimately deciding, well, I'm the blogger here, and I want to really have a, a close connection with the audience. So despite the fact that we really didn't put people's names on a whole lot of things back in those early yeah. days of AWS, yeah. it just seemed very natural for it to come from me as a writer. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you know, you, you're obviously very au fait with the writing process. And then, then you came on board and, and co-hosted the, the podcast for a substantial amount of time. How is podcasting different from blogging? You know, help us compare and contrast. Oh, to me, they're, they're very, very different forms of getting a point across. And you know, there, there are podcasters I listen to that will sit down with a script and they'll really go through the script. And you can, you can kind of tell that they're, they're stepping through the points or maybe they've pre-written out all, all the words. There's other podcasts like what we're doing now that's more conversational and freeform. <laughs> there is no script, folks. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think there's any particular way is better than others. It, it really depends on who you are and if you're really comfortable just kind of winging it. Just talking, yeah. yeah. I've been in a lot of different situations in my professional life where sometimes the more planning you do, the the less quality you get in the results. Like I, I think in particular, if you go to any, any kind of a, a conference and someone says, let's do a panel and mm, a panel mm. where you pick some awesome guests and you have just the briefest of prep and you show up and you have an amazing conversation, those seem to work great. Whereas the ones yeah, where there's yeah. a lot of scripting and, okay, you say this, and we'd like then you then to react in this particular way, and let's make sure we have exact apportionment of time. Th- yeah. There's this inverse relationship between preparation and quality sometimes where we're just spontaneous can often be better. Yeah, because I, I guess from a listener perspective, it's so awful to listen to a stilted conversation. And I still remember fondly back in, I, I can't remember which year it is, to be honest, because you know, time has no meaning now in the in the times <laughs> we live in. But there was a, a reInvent that we were at together um, and we did a live podcast recording. And it was, I think it was so much fun because it was literally my laptop, a, 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 a microphone that was a sort of bi-directional microphone and you and I sitting there having a chat with a bunch of folks standing around. Um, and it was the best because we were just using what we what we knew in our brains. 
I was that the one where we were backstage from Midnight Madness. Yes, that was that one as well. Yes, exactly. I do remember that, yeah, and it was yeah. a unique setting because there was a lot of amazing things happening on the other side of the the curtain, and we were somehow summarizing those as they were happening, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. It's a, it's a different kind of thing. So, so you know, you get around the world. You, you talk to lots of folks all the time. I'm really interested. What what are customers asking for today versus ten years ago? Well, let's see. First, I haven't actually been around the world for almost two years. It was coming up on <laughs> two true. years ago that I was on my most recent business trip. I think I was in Copenhagen when suddenly mm. the word came down that quarantine was going into effect in the U.S. and I'd better get home as quickly as possible or I could be locked out for some undefined period of time. Mm. So mm. I, despite that, I still get to talk to customers quite a bit. I, I do lots of emails with them. I, I've done lots of presentations remotely to customers. And I think these days, they're looking for a bit more of perspective, where the, the services mm. of 10 years, 10 years ago were maybe there were few enough of them that customers could really look at them at a glance and say, okay, you've got your compute, you've got your storage, you've got your database, you've got your networking. We get it pretty quickly. Now what they're yeah. looking for is they, they want to say, give me a little bit more of a map. They, they realize that the, the services... They, they don't quite overlap, but there's multiple ways to get sometimes to the same solution. They're looking for a bit of perspective and guidance on like, well, wh which one would you choose? And quite often it's going to, mm -hmm. as always, it's the, well, it depends. Where are your <laughs> skills? Where would you see, where does your team want to be going within the next couple of years? Are, are you host-based? Are you, do you want to go serverless? There, there's just a lot more that they would like to know in the, in the, the big picture sense. Now, the, the question that they ask me a lot that I never am comfortable answering is they say, well, so you're deep in the middle of this. Where is it going? And it, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those. For, first, there's no good answer, because if we knew where it was going, we would have already built it and launched it. Correct. <laughs> but it'd be in you, your hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we can't predict the future because the, the really the future quite a bit depends on where our customers would like to go. So sometimes yeah. you have to turn it around and say. Where do you need us to go? And it's almost like building a staircase as the customers are walking up the staircase and just saying, well, we're, we see you're about to put your foot down. We'd better build another step under your foot just in time for you to, to step on it and, and need that particular step to be there. I think that's a really good analogy because it, it is this amazing feedback loop. And you know, if you think about um, S3, for example, you know, when, when, that, when that launched, I remember you sort of you know, blogging about it and just you explaining the API and it was pretty fundamental and basic, but it, you know, it was, it was still, for most people, it was a complete mind shift. Like that was the times where it was all about SANS and NAS and host connected storage. And that's, so this web-based storage thing was, was a bizarre concept. And then sort of spin forward to today and you've got like super sophisticated intelligent tiering and all, all the stuff we dreamed about as storage managers many years ago are all built in. Um, so the conversations you're having are, are very different. I, I, I would venture to say you probably haven't had a conversation about how to use the S3 API lately. Not that I can recall. Yeah, it's 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 changed. It's it's and that's that evolution. So yeah. so let me let me <laughs> let me ask you to, to to cast your mind back. Um, and and I'm going to ask you the, the the equivalent of who's your favorite child. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to get two answers from you. I wanted to get your view on on what your favorite old school service is and what the latest service that has really caught your attention is. I know we can't have favorites, but we do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think one that really changed a lot of people's thinking about the cloud was RDS, the Relational Database Service. And I, mm. I still remember demoing RDS to, I was in San Francisco for a customer and RDS had just come out and I, I, 
I pulled out the console and I, I showed them how they very could, could quickly launch a database and it was up and running in, in five minutes. And due to the way that I was sitting relative to the customer, I could see that they were elbowing each other. Uh, uh, they were all sitting next to each other on the table. They're elbowing each other. And I said, what, what's up? What is, what's, what's so interesting here? And they said, we just got a database that our sysadmin had spent six months setting up and they did it wrong. And you just replicated the right way to do it in about five minutes for us. So that Ouch. was really quickly to, to show, well, RDS is a big deal for, mm-hmm. for so many different kinds of customers. And I, I still remember that. I can remember exactly being in that room and looking and seeing them all just very quietly nudging each other like, wow, this is really important. We should pay some attention. That's cool. As far as something new, I, I'm really excited by S3 Object Lambda. This idea that you can basically mm-hmm. put a Lambda mm-hmm. function in the middle of the S3 request response process and say, let's let's either modify an object coming out or let, let's fully take some raw data from an object, do various kinds of, of interesting transformations and, and processing on it, and then return the, the final result as a result of that get request. I, I think there's a lot of power there that customers still should spend more time understanding it and experimenting with. Yeah, I guess it's yet again building building another step on the staircase. We just don't know exactly. where people are going to step. <laughs> hey, Jeff, thanks so much for being a part of the the AWS podcast journey. Um, you know, I know I know our listeners love love hearing from. We'll have to get you back, and we'll 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 riff on some more technology in the future. Let's do that. Let's not wait for number one thousand. Definitely. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. My pleasure, Simon. Good to talk to you. One of the things I love about talking with Jeff is that it's like we never stop talking. <laughs> we just drop into it. Now, speaking of that, a blast from the past, someone from the very, very early episodes that you'll remember well because he has a much nicer accent than me, Mr. Simone Brunazzo. Here's a bit of a chat that we had. So now I'm joined by a very special guest. In fact, my original co-podcast host, Simone Brunazzo. G'day, Simone. Hey, Hello, everyone. Good to be with you, Simon. It's been too long. <laughs> it's been way too long. It's been way too long. Now, you are in a very um, uh, unappealing and unglamorous location when you speak to us today. Where, where are you located? Yes, I'm in uh, Venice, Italy, or Venezia, <laughs> as they call Venezia. it here. Venezia. Yes. <laughs> yeah, terrible place. It's, so life is treating you poorly. It's really hard, you know. <laughs> yeah, very, very hard. <laughs> So Simone, um, before we launch in, tell us, uh, you know, what, what you're doing these days with yourself. I mean, you've had a, a long and illustrious tech career so far, but what are you doing today? And then we'll, we'll cast the time machine back. Yeah, of course. Well, right now I'm actually working with an old friend of mine to launch a VC firm out of Europe. So wow. very interesting times. Uh, we're going to be ready in a few months. We've been working on this for the past few months. And I'm very excited because I will have the opportunity to work with startups, innovators, founders, which are, you know, one of the categories of people that I really love the most. Yeah, you've, you've always been passionate about that. And, yes. and, you know, when, when, when we started the podcast back in 2012, what was your role at Amazon and how did you get that role? Because it was, it was a very different role than we have now and you were kind of unusual in those days. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So back then I was a technology evangelist for AWS, for Amazon Web Services. And I started back in 2008. I actually got my job by mostly also thanks to my building a church Wait a second. In Second Life, not in real life. <laughs> you had me worried there. 
if you recall, you know, back in 2007, 2008, there was this- The original 3D. metaverse. Yes, the original metaverse. <laughs> it's actually interesting that we're talking about it now in 2021 when the metaverse is coming back into, uh, you know, into interesting uh, initiatives by other companies, by, by many companies uh, in the world. But so I built this church, uh, was very interested in Second Life. Then I went uh, just by coincidence to this virtual job fair for jobs in Europe. And uh, I saw Amazon Web Services there. I was already using it. I was one of the early adopters. And the avatar of this uh, recruiter asked me, you know, why are you here? You know, oh, I'm just curious. <laughs> and he said, well, we're looking for a technology evangelist. My answer was, I built a church. I'm your guy. And of, course, <laughs> and of course, she thought I was one of these crazy nuts over the internet. And then I explained, no, no, wait, it's a, you know, it's a software initiative. We, you know, we built a virtual, you know, 3D model, et cetera. So we, she thought, okay, this is not too crazy after all. And then uh, she said, you have to speak with Jeff. And I thought, wow, already actually it was Jeff Barr, <laughs> the original well, technology another, evangelist. Another important Jeff. <laughs> yes, a very important Jeff indeed, but not the Jeff that we, we could think of. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I just said, you know what? I need to impress this guy. So I used the, uh, the 3D world to actually build a simulation of AWS back then. So I simulated EC2, S3, SQS, a bunch of other things. And I made API calls in the code of the Second Life scripting language. And then I told Jeff, you know, why don't we meet in Second Life when we had to do our interview? And so thanks to that, I did uh, that and 15 other interviews, including the last <laughs> two ones with Andy Jesse and Adam Silipsky, now yeah. you know, head of uh, Amazon and AWS respectively. And then for some reason, I don't know why, they decided to hire me. And that's where my journey with AWS started. It was fun times. It was, it was very fun times. And I, I recall you, you, you had the most beautiful slides I had ever seen. Like your slides were, were perfectly structured and created. They were very, very artistic. I think it was your, your Italian background was coming through in terms of- uh, You're very nice. You, know, you took pride in construction. It was like the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I I think the well, thanks for that. I just take it. I just uh, enjoy this compliment <laughs> silently. Okay, fantastic. You made my day. <laughs> and so, so back in those times, you you were spending a lot of time um, doing the evangelist role, which meant going to a lot of conferences and talking to people. And yes. we have to cast our minds back. This was this was the what is cloud times. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, which is pretty amazing when you think about that. That's that was the conversation we were having. Yes. And you know, when we started the podcast, what what do you remember from some of those early episodes? What are some of your recollections of those days? Well, I remember that uh, we were trying to explain uh, the basics and trying to be very open about the challenges of things. For example, hey, this new service is interesting because it helps you. Uh, you know, deal with this particular problem that we see a lot of startups or a lot of, co you know, companies dealing with. And the beauty was that I think that both you and I were meeting with a lot of customers or prospective customers, mm. and we had a pretty good idea of, of the things that they loved, but also the challenges that they were facing back in, you know, 2012 or 2013, which was when a lot of people were starting to be excited about the cloud but there were still a lot of uh, question marks floating around. Mm -hmm. Like, would I, should I run my, you know, MySQL database on an EC2 instance, or should I try this new RDS service? And, yeah. oh, it doesn't yeah. have this particular feature. It doesn't allow for clustering. So what do you do about this, et cetera? I remember actually one day, you, you, you'll enjoy this. One day, an Italian friend of mine who then uh, 
ended up becoming my co-founder in a startup <laughs> years later. Uh, so apparently he, he liked me. At some point he asked on Twitter, we didn't meet uh, back then. We didn't know each mm, other mm, back then. He asked mm. on Twitter, hey, I would love to be able to have a managed, uh, you know, MySQL database, you know, any news or any, any hint you can give us. And this was a few hours before the actual launch of RDS. And <laughs> so I said, okay, give me a second. And then a few, few hours <laughs> later, <something> <laughs> I, I, I gave him the link. I said, oh, my God, you, you are amazing. Of course, he understood it was a coincidence, but it was so funny because, you know, the, this dialogue between people from around the world was just fantastic because we, we, I think we had the pulse of what customers loved or were doing with AWS, and that helped us shape the topics that we were covering. And, of course, we were covering a lot of the new th new stuff coming up. Mm, uh, mm. But at the same time, we tried to do it in a way that made the customers understand where the general machine was going, where AWS was going. Yeah, and I, th I think it's interesting because it was a very new concept of saying, um, you know, start using a service and it will, it will change and get better as you go. Yes. Um, that wasn't the mental model that most people had. No, absolutely not. In fact, uh, most people were used to uh, somehow a static uh, timeline or product timeline. They were not used. You remember, you know, most of the time we were there saying, oh, by the way, this week we have, I don't know, 13 new things to tell you about. <laughs> we're only right. going to yes, cover five yes. because we, we don't <laughs> have time for everything. It was actually hard for us keeping mm. up with the new stuff. Mm. I remember a couple of times you actually catched me when I was saying something and he said, no, no, wait, wait, Simone, this is wrong. <laughs> no, there's that. a new thing. <laughs> just say, I said, okay, sorry, I didn't read about it. It just, you know, maybe I was traveling and working, so I, I didn't have time to read everything. It was just fantastic. The pace of innovation has always been, I think, incredible, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah, it, it is pretty amazing. I think the other thing that, that was interesting in terms of change and, and hopefully some of the things that the podcast helped change was, was the, the mental models around how to build software. Now, if I recall correctly, some of your most famous and, and well-received presentations are about things like decoupling, about different use of storage. Like I still remember them clearly because for a lot of people, it was kind of like a mind-blown moment when they're like, wow, I have to build differently. I can't just use the cloud and do it how I used to. Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, I have to say I took inspiration from a few great minds at AWS, in particular, you know, James Hamilton or Werner Vogels, you know, the CTO of Amazon.com. And uh, Werner and I were, still are, very good friends. And uh, we actually randomly met twice in the world. Can you imagine I was uh, walking in <laughs> Amsterdam once and then the other time was another European city and I just stumbled on him, say, hey, Werner. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? I mean, we were traveling so much and so yeah, often yeah. that somehow, you know, we crossed paths twice randomly, even, you know, in addition to meeting regularly. And yeah, thanks yeah. to these guys and a few others, of course, you know, I cannot name all of them, but mm. uh, Amazon was a pioneer. Amazon Web Services was a pioneer in uh, rethinking the principles that you should use to build for the cloud and take advantage of the cloud. And thankfully, these principles were not, you know, just theoretical ideas made up by some, uh, you know, professor in an ivory tower. They were actually uh, built out of experience because Amazon.com, mm -hmm. the company, dealt with certain problems before anyone else on the planet. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons, my humble opinion, one of the reasons why AWS came to be, why it happened at Amazon and not at, uh, I don't know, Sun Microsystems or other companies mm -hmm. that could mm -hmm. have done it at the time. 
And uh, those principles, you know, decoupling or everything will fail eventually, so plan for yes, it, yeah, design yeah. for it even, yeah. was incredible. You know, imagine, you know, talking about these principles in front of an enterprise audience, <laughs> you know, old suits, you know, people that are used to the client server paradigm and are and used to, you know, buying, you know, large, expensive machines. Gold-plated engineering. Exactly. Yeah. And imagine telling them everything will fail eventually. So just plan for it. And this is how you do it. And then, you know, you would see sometimes these eyes, you know, start to open and, and starting to understand, hey, wait a minute, this is interesting. This can actually solve my scaling problem or my cost problems or my mm. availability mm. problems and so on and so forth. And I think, I don't know, I think this is a, a unique opportunity or a unique chance that we had uh, back in the days to just evangelize in a way. You know, the yeah. podcast yeah. was a form of evangelism, in, yeah. uh, if you think yeah. about it. And it was just so exciting for me. I, I would agree. And and I, if I recall correctly, we used to spend a lot of time battling time zones to get all oh, the calls absolutely, together. Absolutely, absolutely. What was your what was your recording rig at the time? What were you running with uh, in those days? If you yeah, think? well, it was uh, not particularly complicated. I had a MacBook. I always loved uh, Apple computers because of their you know reliability and the ease of use. And uh, the beautiful slides you were mentioning before, all made with keynotes and a couple yeah. others, uh, other programs. Uh, I used uh, GIMP for the uh, graphics and I used uh, Inkscape for the vectors. Both of them are amazing open source projects. And I used GarageBand to edit the podcasts. But one interesting thing, and you know, microphones like the Blue Yeti, I think, at some point, mm-hmm. and uh, a mm-hmm. couple others that I don't even recall the name of. But... One interesting thing that we did, and I think we were very right in doing that, is that we recorded on both ends. And then uh, if you remember, you know, you would send me the file, (laughs) I would, you know, put them together using GarageBand. And this actually gave us a much higher sound quality compared to most podcasts at the time. Uh, It was a bit of a uh, let's say an extra effort to go through because mm-hmm. we had to edit the the sound files so it was another i don't know 10 15 minutes of editing time but i think it was well worth it i would agree i would agree and so so what are you listening to these days obviously you're keeping well up to date with the ADBS podcast because you you listen to it every week well i, <laughs> I have to admit i listen to it occasionally not as often as i would like to uh you just you just produce too much by the way i mean i i i can't even imagine how you can keep up these days because it was already difficult you know seven eight years ago like now it would be, I don't know. I mean, it's like a full-time job to just keep up with everything you launch every day. But anyway, I listen to a few technical podcasts. Some of them are very obscure. Uh, but a couple are podcasts that people would know. For example, I listen to uh, Tim Ferriss quite a lot. And mm-hmm. usually I do it when I drive a car somewhere. I don't drive much these days, you know, because of our, you know, latest, uh, you know, times, you know, last year and this year because of where the world is going or where it went. Plus, plus you're in Venice, so really you're just on the boat. All the oh, time, yes, so. exactly. I'm in Venice, so not, not, not too many cars to drive. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I travel either in Italy or in Europe. And uh, when I have to drive, I love listening, listening to podcasts. And I like those uh, generalist podcasts, uh, you know, if you, if you allow the term, because I think I prefer to listen to technical podcasts when I'm in front of a computer. 
because I usually mm. listen to the podcast and then read something related to that podcast at the same time or occasionally take notes if it's something I need to, I want to learn. Because somehow I, I have realized that my memory uh, works much better that way. I recall these things in a much better way. Even though, you know, sometimes uh, you just need to listen to the podcast for 20, 30 minutes. And then there's a, just a couple of things that you want mm, to remember mm. or, you know, you want to take a note of. And in that case, I just leave a, a voice message to my, I have, you know, I use um, oh, notes easy, yeah. on, on yeah. my iPhone. And I just leave a, a, a soundbite there saying, you know, hey, remember to check X and Y. And then I usually every week I go through my voice notes and, and it's easier that way. There you go. Fantastic. Well, Simona, thanks so much for coming on and, and reminiscing a little bit with me. It was a pleasure. It's, it's, it feels like we never left. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Enjoy your time and hope to see you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. Wow. It's cool to, to recollect and to, to hear the dulcet tones of Simone. And uh, it always confused people at the start because you had the host Simon and Simone. And the worst thing was is he took all the good Twitter handles, etc. because he would take Simon rather than Simone. And I'm Simon Alicia, so I could have taken Simon E, but he took them all. He's, he's far quicker than me. Now, another guest uh, that I want to talk to was Max Peterson. Max has been with AWS for a very long time and has some really cool perspectives to share. So let's take a listen to my chat with Max. So now I'm joined by Max Peterson, and Max is Vice President of Worldwide Public Sector here at AWS. And Max, amongst many, many achievements, um, has been working at AWS for nearly 10 years now. Um, I think you're rapidly approaching your anniversary, which is about the same time the podcast started. Welcome to the podcast, Max. That's awesome. Yes, Simon, thank you very much. And I am only 20 days away from 10 years at AWS and our public sector business. It's, it's nearly there. Now, you have had a unique journey in that you get to see sort of everything that's happening from a, a, a government and public sector perspective across the world. And I thought it would be really interesting for us to reflect a little bit on what's changed. You know, the conversations you were having 10 years ago versus now, I'm thinking are different, but maybe can you, can you spin the time machine back and, and share with us what were you hearing from customers back then and kind of how that's changed? Simon, that's a great question. And interestingly enough, some things remain the same and some things are brand new. In the early days, we spent a lot of time talking to customers about security, and we still mm. do. Security mm. is still job number one. The difference is that 10 years ago, people used security as a reason not to go to the cloud. And today, almost everyone acknowledges that they have far better security on the cloud. So it's become a reason to go to the cloud. And the thing that has changed has been the increase in pace of digital transformation and government modernization. We had some early customers doing adoption a decade ago. Um, we had just been awarded a contract with the U.S. government for C2S, which was one of the first big government cloud contracts. And now around the world, government customers are using AWS for whole of government business, whether it's in Australia or Singapore or the U.K. or the U.S. or other countries around the world. So that government modernization swing has really accelerated. And then for our non-government customers in education, in healthcare, and most recently in uh, space, we've seen them just move into high gear on digital transformation. 
It's it's really interesting because I think you know if, if we reflect on the 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 somewhat unearned reputation that government often has is being slow moving, and and really it's not so much slow moving as it has to be risk averse because uh, it's often managing things on a, on a country level. I think there's been a real shift, particularly in the last five years, let alone ten years, around that recognition that the ability to move fast on behalf of citizens is the business of government, and that using the cloud and AWS is, is a way to make that happen that just wasn't available to government before. There's been amazing transformation, uh, not in just five years, but even in just the last two years. Uh, we've seen countries, many responding to the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, make huge shifts. We've seen countries like Egypt shift entirely online to education. We've seen 23 countries around the world rapidly build and scale COVID-19 vaccine management systems. We've seen telehealth take off like never before. Mm. And we've seen um, customers start using our new aerospace and satellite team to literally start doing business on the cloud from space. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing, the change. And, and the, the tenor of conversations you're having at the, the ministerial level, the advisory level, the sort of departmental secretary level, you know, you know. Again, if you reflect back ten years to sort of where that's evolved to now, how has it changed, and and what what are people asking you? You know, the biggest change in my mind has been the security piece that we talked about earlier. But the second thing behind it has been the realization that government can innovate like a startup. We've got examples of countries where they've gone all in on AWS to be able to rapidly modernize their system. We've got examples where entire ministries or agencies have started to move to the cloud. So I think it's really that recognition that it enables innovation, a lot of it born out of the last two years' work of uh, time. But it really is government shifting from just thinking about IT as back office to thinking about the cloud as innovation. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting that that citizen service piece. I think is is a really healthy thing. And one transition I've observed, I'm really interested if you've been seeing it as well, is really that shift from a, a very much a project focus to more a service focus. Like to say, well, you know, we're, we're helping citizens through life events. It's not an ERP project. It's a how do I support someone from from birth through to their eventual passing. It's it's a it's a big mental shift. It's going to take a while, but it seems to be one of those those fundamentals that's happening throughout government across the globe. I would agree with you. The other fundamental shift that I would also tell you I see around the world is education and skills. And for a decade, AWS has been focused on driving cloud skills, digital skills, and that has picked up dramatically around the world. People realize that they need to transform you know, their, their workforce to be able to take advantage of modern cloud computing skills and systems. And it's not just IT. And so from everywhere around the world, we've seen an amazing uptick. And of course, we've got a challenge we set out for ourselves of training 29 million people for free by 2025. And we're well on the way. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things I love about those cloud skills and those digital skills is they're so portable and accessible, which means that developing nations can benefit just as much as as, uh, as as first world nations. So it's really something that's helping level the playing field in terms of the future of the, the economic basis of the world. Absolutely. And again, you know, we saw a massive shift to online work starting two years ago. 
And what that does mean is it means that it's no longer required that you be in a particular workspace to be able to do work when you're talking about the cloud or digital technologies or uh, service delivery. You can literally do it from anywhere. Mm -hmm. no, it's, it's, a, it's amazing change. It's amazing to watch. And who knows where we'll be in another 10 years, I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to the decade ahead. I think the opportunities continue to be just exponential uh, we're seeing AI and machine learning play new uh, roles in medicine, in citizen services, in, in transportation. We're seeing the ability to cover the globe from space and be able to take advantage of satellite imagery, just literally growing exponentially. So I'm incredibly excited. And Simon, I can't wait to see what everyone does with AWS technology that we deliver for the decade ahead. Agree. Well, thanks for joining us for our 500th episode. We'll have to check in at a thousand. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Awesome. Thanks, Max. Some really cool insights there. It's always fascinating to hear different perspectives and different folks from different countries. Now, none of this happens easily. <laughs> there's, there's work to be done. And, uh, and like I say, I'm, I'm not giving you the woe is me story, but more just the story of scale. You know, uh, at the start, I would just reach out to folks arbitrarily say, hey, do you want to come on the podcast and have a chat? And uh, once the podcast started getting a little larger, people would approach me and say, hey, I want to have a chat, et cetera. So I had to create a ticketing system and then manage that whole process. And then there's an onboarding process to make sure people are comfortable and they know what to expect and they've got some talking points and they understand the recording process and then they're scheduling it all. And it's, it becomes really hard to do. And so that's where Jen comes into the world. She came along and really helped the production process and I think has some great insights about what it takes to, to build a podcast and to build a community. So now I'm joined by someone who is really on this side of the microphone. So um, it's, it's good to uh, coax her over to this way. <laughs> We're joined by Jen Godwin, who's a program manager here at, at AWS. And Jen is fundamentally critical to the production of this podcast. You, you are the probably the first person most people speak to regarding being on the podcast. So, g'day, Jen. How are you going? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It is definitely different on this side of the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, we thought we'd take a moment and kind of talk about how the sausage is made um, because podcasting is a lot of work. And uh, when I started the podcast, it was literally just me and I did all the production and all the guests <laughs> and all the everything. And um, uh, I nearly went insane. Yeah, um, checks out. And then you came along and to, to help. <laughs> And so, so Jen, tell us a bit about what you do for the podcast. Yeah. So I think my job on the podcast has, you know, sort of evolved um, over the, mm. what, year and a half or so I've been helping out here. You know, originally we were just doing update shows and then the occasional, or I guess every other week, uh, normal episodes, right? Where you would meet with a team and chat about their product or or something else exciting that was happening within AWS. And since then, we've also added our, our launch episode series. And, you know, all of those are a little bit different. For the update shows, for me, at least, it's pretty hands off, you know, you and Nikki record and send off your your audio files to our editor, Andrew, and that's all great. I can be pretty hands off and do the rest of my job, right? <laughs> and then for, you know, our other episodes, it's typically a team here at AWS coming to us with a story that they want to tell. You know, they have an interesting product or service that's either launching or that, you know, they've, they've done something exciting with like recently um, and they want to get that news out to people. So they come to us, they submit a ticket in our system and kind of give us the lowdown on the story that they want to tell. And, you know, Simon, you and I will 
review them and make sure that they actually sound like something our audience would be interested in hearing. And then, I mean, we launch into you know, a whole process with getting recordings on the calendar, making sure that everyone's ready to actually be in a quiet place joining you mm-hmm. and not have, uh, <laughs> I, we had someone. Not in an airport? Yeah, not an airport. <laughs> we had someone a while ago that it sounded like they were in a cafe, uh, which is not ideal, yeah, yeah. but our, and our <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but our editor is fantastic and I think does, does a really great job cleaning up our audio, so. <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, it, there's so much that happens behind the scenes and, and I think something we've learned along the way is, you know, b- being customer obsessed is not just about uh, our listeners, mm-hmm. uh, but also the guests on the podcast. So we've sort of tried to make it a little more structured. We recorded some videos of, you know, what to expect, how to get ready. I know you've done a lot of work on some of the briefing uh, emails that folks get beforehand, just to make sure they sort of come to what is kind of an unnatural experience feeling... <laughs> reasonably relaxed. I mean, I know you've done streaming in the past, but it's still, it's kind of, kind of weird. Yeah. Right. I mean, just, uh, let me sit here and, and talk at my computer for half an hour and, uh, you know, let everybody know what, what this is. It's, it can definitely feel a little strange. It can feel a little, you know, forced. And I think that we've put a lot of effort into making sure that this is just a conversation, you know, this isn't, it doesn't need to be scripted. It doesn't need to be exactly precisely perfect. It can just be a couple people talking about really exciting news that's happening. This is true. I think that's great, you know? <laughs> and I think it's been funny too, you know, as, as you've been more and more involved and, and obviously in, in your work generally on the, on the, the uh, some of the launch marketing and the blogs and, and the podcast itself, is folks coming to you wanting to start their own podcast and you being able to give them, you know, guidance and, and um, advice coaching. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. It's too much <laughs> no, work. I, I kid. I, I kid. But yeah, how, tell us a little bit about the, you know, how people come to you with, with ideas and some of the, the, the coaching you give. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's so much happening at AWS. I think anybody can listen to an update show and know that there is just always something new happening. And so I think a lot of teams have ideas for, again, the stories that they want to tell. And, you know, a lot of the times our platform is a great place to do that. You know, we've already kind of put in the legwork that it takes to get a podcast up and running. But, you know, sometimes it's just not a good fit for our audience. It's not, you know, you can only record so many episodes. Episodes. You only have so much time in a day. So they'll want to strike out on their own and get their own channel up and running. And, you know, we do our best to kind of provide a realistic look at how much <laughs> podcasting takes, right? Like, we know it's it's a big time commitment. Not only do you have to come up with the content that you want to tell, script it to whatever extent you want to, be that just a list of questions that you want to run through or a full script, record it, edit it, you know, make sure it's polished, get it up wherever mm. you're going to host it, get it onto all the podcasting platforms. And that can be a and then do it regularly. And then do it regularly. The regular, right. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I read a stat a while ago that most podcasts have 10 episodes. Like that's, wow. that's about the point where people are like, yeah, this is this feels like real work now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. This is a lot. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, another cool part of, of, of the podcast that we probably don't talk very much about, and I'm, and I'm okay with that, but um, I think it's worth sharing on the 500th episode, is, is the number of emails we get from folks who either got a new job or even joined Amazon. And, and use the podcast either as their preparation or as inspiration. Um, 
it, it's pretty humbling when we get those notes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it's not something I was expecting to have be a part of this job when I joined, right? It wasn't, oh, cool, yeah, we're going to get yeah. emails from folks who, who find our email on our RSS feed or whatever um, and are like, hey, you inspired me to get into cloud computing or, you know, any other number of subcategories they're in, you know, and it's, it's really great to know that we're not just speaking into a void and that, you know, the, <laughs> the work that we're putting into creating this is actually being really useful for people. I think it's awesome. <laughs> it is, look, it is pretty cool. I've got to say, um, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed doing the podcast because I think it's a worthwhile thing to do. So it's kind of its own reward, mm-hmm. but getting those notes are absolutely the icing on the cake it's like wow that's that's uh it's pretty cool yeah so uh it's it's, it's nice we can be a part of it <laughs> definitely and and what what are some some plans that you have in mind broadly speaking because you know we don't want to reveal things too too <laughs> early but you know we've, we've done 500 episodes and we're always raising the bar we've got more in store haven't we we're not finishing no and i mean uh you know being on the launch marketing team here at aws i have a really unique position to be you know hearing about all sorts of things, like more than I can even consume and take in, right? You can't tell me. Yeah, I can't even tell you. <laughs> so there's definitely no shortage of things for us to talk about, right? And I think it would be hard for us to use up all of the content that we have. <laughs> we're not going to run out. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So yeah, I mean, I think we're looking into, you know, always raising the bar on our content, both, you know, from a, a quality perspective, you know, making sure our sound is great. I was just taking a, a listen to Nikki's recording for this episode. And she was talking about how, you know, we went through all these iterations of making sure that her mic was good enough. Um, and I think mm, we're doing the same mm. thing with our content right now, right? You know, we've, we've started these launch episodes yeah, and yeah. seemingly looking at the data that we have, you know, and, and how people are listening, they're performing just as well as our normal episodes have, right? So I, I love to see that people are liking that content. And I think there's just, there's always more stories to tell. So we're always looking to branch out. This is true. <laughs> Jen, thanks for all the work that you do in, in making this possible. Um, I think the, the, the scale and the quality of the podcast wouldn't be where it is now without you. So uh, thanks for helping us get to 500 and here's to another 500. Yeah, here we go. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> Very cool recollections and insights indeed. Now, as we come to wrap up, I really want to just thank a few people. I'm I'm not going to be able to thank everyone. I'm sure I'm going to miss people. I apologize in advance. Firstly, I want to thank Jen and Hannah who help with the production of everything that we do. Andrew, our editor, who does a fantastic job. Greg and Anna, who have moved on to different roles, but were fundamental to evolving the podcast to where it became and a raft of others who, who really um, made it possible. Also, my wife, Kim, who has supported me throughout all this, and there's many times I have to say, sorry, I need quiet in the house, I'm doing a podcast, and she's amazing. <laughs> she does great things. And my son, Lex, and my daughter, Marley, and, of course, uh, my dog, Chewy, who you've all heard and has gone through the puppy stage during lockdown whilst I had to record at home. Wasn't that fun? So we really do love to get your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do that. Thank you so much for having joined us for those 500 episodes. Here's to many, many more. And of course, until next time, keep on building.